It's all good. All right, we figured it out. Yeah, yeah. fourth time is a charm. Um, if you don't succeed, keep trying. Okay, so Adam, um, this is this is our second uh, Instagram and YouTube and all the things live. Uh, last week we talked about survival, fitness, health and wellness, and I wanted to start off with asking you, like, why is wellness and fitness important? Um, not just for professional athletes, but for all of us if we're gonna be here on the planet. Um, okay. So let's talk about uh, health and wellness as a long-term survival kind of concept, or let's talk about it in a performance capacity. The better your body works, the better your brain works. The better your brain works, the better your body works. So if you want your cognitive ability to go up, the more fit you are, or the, the more healthy you are, the better your cognitive function will become. So all that being said, Make sure you get fit if you want to be smart. Um, so what does that look like? What are we talking about with, we kind of talked about it and you and I kind of got an argument last time. Hopefully you read my shit so you got an idea of it. But the higher you get up the um, the performance ladder, the more stuff you give away. So the, 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 top, the higher you get to the top of the pyramid, the easier it is to break. So for cognitive function, the, the number one way to fix cognitive is sleep. If you're messing with your sleep, you're in a bad way. Like if you're looking for any health and wellness, if we even take this back to COVID, let's just look at this, this idea right now with Corona that we have right now. Most people think of fat as just, just this stuff that's on our body. That's just fuel. Like we can sometimes use it for fuel. We can sometimes use it for whatever. But what's interesting is fat is actually um, an organ system and it releases hormones and it, it actually sends signals to the rest of the body. One of the main things that it does besides fuel is it actually sends um, inflammatory markers. It actually tells the body to inflame. So if we're looking at something like Corona, which is an inflammatory disease, uh, if you're carrying around extra fat, the odds of you getting sick increase because you're going to increase the amount of inflammation markers you're sending out to the rest of the body. So you got to lose extra fat. Anything that you think you can do with help with, with, uh, with food or nutrition and with working out, you can do with sleep or anything that you screw up with those two, you will screw up with sleep. So if you're really looking to, um, get healthy and well, the number one way to start is sleep. So sleep. So you don't have to work out. You can just sleep. To be healthy, not to be, not to have any kind of, so that's for longevity. That's not for quality of life. So longevity is sleep, rest, recovery, and basic, decent nutrition. For quality of life, meaning as a man, I don't need to take a blue pill and I don't have someone wiping my ass when I'm older. Um, what does a blue pill uh, mean? Uh, so I don't have to have Viagra for my woman when I'm 80. So I can be able to do that for the rest of my life. Okay. That's a pretty good motivator, especially for guys. Right. So to be able to do that for quality of life, then you have to work on strength. And when we're talking about strength, we're not talking about just how much can you deadlift and squat. That's important. But what we're talking about is, do you maintain your range of motion? Do you maintain your power development? Do you maintain your ability to um, put your arms overhead and hike your hip? So the first three things that people lose as they age is the ability to get their arms over their head put their arm up over their head straight, 
get the things off the top shelf. Um, the ability to generate power. You hear of old man strength, but you never hear of old man power, right? Why? Because that what what power is is strength over divided by speed. So it's how fast you can generate strength. You lose that as we age. So you have to have a fitness program that develops that. And the other one that you lose is the ability to hike your hip. So simple things like sitting on the floor to eat dinner. Don't sit at a table. Those of you that are that are not athletes and that work in a business environment, I want you to think of it like this. You wake up in the morning, you sit down to have your cup of coffee. You sit down to have your breakfast. You get in your car, you sit and you're driving. Then you get to work and you sit. And then you get to lunch and you sit. And then after all that and you get home, you sit down for dinner, you sit down to talk to the kids, you sit down to watch TV, and then you go to sleep. If you think, so your body, when you're doing fitness stuff, is going to remodel in the position that it spends most time in. So if you do an hour yoga class, if you go for an hour run or get on a treadmill, if you do power lifting, Olympic lifting, kettlebell swings, if you're doing any of that shit, and then you spend another 12 hours of your day sitting and then lying down sleeping and not sleeping flat, you're sleeping in all kinds of bent positions, your body's going to remodel in the position it spends the most of the time in. So if you are, so when you work out, you tear tissue, it's micro tearing of the tissue. And if you micro tear it and then you rehab it in this bent position, you're going to lose the ability to generate power, the ability to get your hand, hands over your head, the ability to, to uh, hike your hip. Okay, so so, what, what you're saying is because we spend all this time sitting uh, in all these different ways, we're modeling our bodies uh, to eventually lose range of motion above our heads and at our hips. Is that what you're saying? No. What I'm saying is that's part of it. You're, you're losing the ability to um, generate any kind of length. So if I'm doing an, if I'm doing a kettlebell snatch, if I'm doing an Olympic snatch, if I'm doing a pull-up, if I'm doing some rock climbing, the ability to get my arm overhead without doing this, you know, is, is gone because you never, you don't, you're not remodeling that way. So something as simple for those people that have to work in an office is set a timer and every 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes, get up and do two minutes of movement, have a push, a pull, a hip extension, and then go for a walk. If you get up to get coffee, walk down one flight of stairs, walk back up a flight of stairs, walk around the block, anything like that, then get your coffee and then sit down. That's your movement. That's your hip extension. I'm not saying like, you're going to hear a lot of people always use the stairs. If you work on the 17th floor, piss off. You're not going to walk up 17. It's just not going to happen. But if you, but if you walk down one floor and then up one floor and then, or if you're on the bottom floor and you walk around the city block once and get your coffee, you get your movement in, you're going to increase that, open position that you're supposed to be in um so something simple like that and then and you can do anything you can today we're only going to do push-ups so every hour you get down you do five push-ups on the hour okay so oh, that's all great and i feel like we have so many people telling us what we should be doing and why uh why it's good we all know it's good but how do you find the motivation like so there's a really cool dude for motivation his name is bj fogg he's from stanford and he shows that you don't need 21 days to build a habit. What has to happen is you have to have the trigger, 
the thing that you want to do. You have to have the motivation for it and you have to have the ability. Now, the motivation has to be something super, super simple. If it's a complex motivation, like I'm going to get up at 4.30 every morning and do 45 minutes of yoga and 15 minutes of breath work, it's not going to happen. Like that's too hard that, that you might have the motivate, you might have the motivation and you might have the ability, but you don't have the trigger for it. If instead you say, I'm going to wake up the time I normally wake up before I get out of bed, I'm going to do 15 deep breaths. And then when I get out of bed, I'm going to lay down on the floor and stand up once. That's something that's doable. That's something that everybody can do because it's a very low entry. So whatever you're trying to make a new habit, you don't try to do the whole thing, do a little bitty piece. So you suck at flossing your teeth, floss one tooth a night. You know what? I'm going to floss one tooth. Fuck it. I'll floss a tooth and then, and then go back to do what I'm doing. What will end up happening is you'll start to build that and be like, you know what? I'm already here. I'll just do them all. But by doing that thing that has a very low entry, you're not having to say, well, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do an hour on the treadmill or I'm going to do an hour a trail run or mountain bike. I'm going to do something that's this long. This over here, this much, so you can actually uh, get the thing done. Okay, well, somebody just said I work out because my lady wants me to. Like, I think that's what I meant as far as motivation. Like, what um, that motivation works, you know, for better or for worse. Like, if it's for somebody else. Uh, but what what are some other ways like that uh, can motivate us to change? You know, obviously, there's there's negative. Um, motivators uh like if something's taken away from you but what what else like so there's a bunch of different you have, to, you have to find out what makes you tick so i have a couple of um so i first about heard about this when i was listening to tim ferris once and he was talking about there's a uh, a program where they have um a negative motivator so what they were doing is they would find they found a jewish couple that needed to do something specific they weren't doing a good job at it. He said, give me a thousand dollars. They put it in the escrow. And if they failed at their project, their, their attempt, the neo-Nazi party got that thousand dollars. Well, to a Jewish couple is not going to let a neo-Nazi party get a thousand dollars. Right. So they made sure they did their, their project. So you can go that extreme where it can be something. If you hate Trump or if you hate Biden, or if you hate whoever you hate, you say, you know what? I'm going to sign up for one of these um, negative charities. And if I fail at my, my task, the, the thing I hate the most gets my money. So then it, then what happens is you're putting your money where your mouth is and you're not going to let that happen. Most people. Now, some people do. I've had, I've had clients that put a thousand dollars to something for something they hated. And they were just like, I just don't have the motivation for it. So I have another client and I tell them, um, you know, your kid, your kid, you don't eat well, you're fat, you're nasty, you drink poorly, or I mean, you drink a lot of alcohol, you're teaching your kid that is that what you want your kid to see. So you have to find the thing that's going to trip you. Um, it can be completely vain. Like, I don't like looking like shit when I'm naked, right? I don't want to I don't want to run around here looking like crap. I want to look good till I'm dead. I want to perform well until I'm dead. So is that my motivation? Is my motivation that um, as a, as a CEO of a company, I don't want my staff to be fat and nasty because it increases the it increases all the costs on my health and wellness program. So if I'm fit, then I'm going to be a show as a leader that all of my staff needs to be fit. So you you personally have to find what makes you trip. 
if you're what female, about, what about like in times right now, you know, where, uh, so much has been taken away from us. Uh, you know, maybe something we worked for for years and years that uh, it was unfulfilled and we're just, we're feeling like, well, nothing I do really matters anyways. Like, what would you say to that? You know, with a lot going on right now. I don't think those two fit together. The first, um, for me, that doesn't make sense. But what I would tell you is, yeah, nothing you do matters. And since none of it matters, then do it because you like it. Who gives a shit if, I mean, I don't know anybody listening to me, right? So I don't care if you don't, if you get in a car wreck tomorrow, I have zero care about that, right? There's no investment in my life. You get in a car wreck is going to affect that. And that's how 7.8 billion people in the world think that way. They don't know you. So there's no, who cares, right? So the only person that should care is you. So who cares if you're whatever, you shouldn't be, you know, you have two types of motivation. You have extrinsic and intrinsic. Some people are extrinsically motivated. They need that outside support. That's why a lot of these Instagram influencers are so popular and they, they need that kind of immediate feedback. They get a dopamine hit from it. There's people like me where I don't give a shit what anybody thinks. And I train because I want to train. I do things because I want to do them. And a lot of the, the special operations guys are wired like I am. A lot of the um, pro athletes are wired like I am. They're just going to do it because it makes them feel good. Or a lot of other folks, they need that. They need that satisfaction from other people. So you have to decide as a person what you need in this time. Do you need help from the outside or is it completely internally motivated? And once you can find out if it's internally motivated or not, or externally motivated, then you can begin to build your um, solution to the question you just asked. But you can't just make a blanket solution because we're all wired differently. Sure. Thank you. I, I, you really got to it. You knew what I was trying to ask. Um, what about what about uh, dealing with discomfort? Right. So a lot of these things that you re, you ask of your clients or anyone you're trying to help initially, it's really uncomfortable. You know, uh, how do you um, kind of wrap your head or like, like, how do you get yourself through that? So the first thing is, um, humans are really good at being uncomfortable. I mean, that's how we, that's how we, uh, evolved. We evolved being comfortable, being uncomfortable and all the pro athletes I know, you know, it's not comfortable to throw a pack on your back that weighs that much and boot pack up the side of a mountain and then ski down in the cold and in the stuff. But it's the, the end result is so gratifying that it's worth it. When I was going through recon school or sniper school or whatever other school I was going through, it's definitely not comfortable. I remember one of the things we used to have to do is it was about a 50 meter to 50 yard, depending on how you think 50 meters of road and then you drop into 200 meters of swamp and it went like that for three miles. And the swamp was about chest deep, but we would do it in the winter when there'd be about this much ice, for those of you on Instagram, about that much ice on the surface of the water. And you'd jump in and then you would break the ice and you would run through the swamp and jump out. And then you would do that for three miles, super uncomfortable. So let's put that aside for a second. The more often you can get, the, the more time you spend learning how to be uncomfortable, the more these things like 
staying inside, having it, the better coping mechanisms you build and the better you are at, at dealing with stress. So if stress comes in two types, you have acute and then chronic, or you have, holy shit, I'm going to fight with a tiger, adrenaline, epinephrine, right? And then I fought the tiger, I got to run away, cortisol, right? If you If you're used to feeling those and understanding how to use them as a fuel and understanding how to be in that, your um your stress your stress becomes a response instead of a reaction so the more is that chemically or is that mentally or both both, both. you have you're going to have the chemical hormonal response but the more time you spend learning how to be resilient in that um and the better you get at making sure that once you're uncomfortable with your acute holy shit it hit me i dealt with it on the other side and then i moved into my um my coping mechanism and the more you build that the more that's going to bleed over into other parts of your life so so could you I'm, give real-time examples that you're about to so when i'm when i'm dealing with a client that is not comfortable with doing um as many kettlebell snatches as they can in four minutes you know they need to be able to do 100 kettlebell snatches in four minutes they need to be able to row 500 meters under a minute and a half they need to do whatever it is right they need to be able to do x uh 10, swings in a month um, we need to be able to put on half body weight and ruck for 10 miles, whatever that might be. Um, we introduce them to it. So we'll introduce them into the small portion of it. So we're going to do, um, five snatches left and right on the minute for four minutes. And you start slowly incorporating it until they can see that they're safe or you push them right to their edge, put them into a space where they can be safe. And I keep pushing that envelope until you can keep them uncomfortable for 45 minutes to an hour and then you can bring them out and then those that like to try it um we do stuff like uh rites of passage kind of things where as a matter of fact you were part of one of those from one of my one of my green beret buddies we took his son who turned 16 during the winter <laughs> we took him to the jedediah wilderness and spent i don't know four or five nights out in the jedediah wilderness and uh you actually walked us out there um and totally uncomfortable he was so far outside of his comfort zone now it's one of those things that he can feed back on and he's like oh i've been this uncomfortable i've been so far pushed to my limit that the rest of this stuff was cake so yeah incremental. really also and um having that experience as a young kid is even better because you see at such a young age that how much further that you can get pushed beyond where you, you thought your limit was. That was like probably the, the greatest thing a coach ever gave me or my dad. Um, and yeah, it's very uncomfortable. And then once you come out the other side, you're like, holy smokes. Like if I could do that, you know, what am I capable of? So right. thanks for sharing that. Uh, what else shall, shall we share today uh, that's important to you about why it's important to be fit? Um why it's important well we already talked about why let's talk about how let's talk about some myths yeah. on how if you don't mind so don't fuck with your sleep those of you listening don't mess with it sleep right one hour of sleep deprivation reduces productivity by four hours um the next day so you lose four hours of productivity for one hour of sleep deprivation don't mess with your sleep okay what if you feel like you sleep too much um, if you're, if you're sleeping because you're depressed, then what you need to do is have How that. How do you know if you're sleeping 
if you're, how do you know if you're sleeping because you're depressed or if you need it? The first question is, how do you know if you're sleeping? And let's talk, let's go back. How do you know if you're sleeping enough? Do you wake up without an alarm feeling refreshed? If you don't, you're not sleeping enough. If you're sleeping too much because you're depressed, anything over nine hours, you're sleeping too much. It doesn't include a nap in the middle of the day. Anything over nine hours, humans don't need more than nine hours. So if you're sleeping more than nine hours, what you need to do is um, cut it back to about seven, not because not because it's appropriate, but because it's going to help rewire you. Seven, go for a walk first thing in the morning. You know, after you go to the bathroom, after you drink some water, um, don't eat anything, go for a 45-minute walk. You already have a, a two-hour window. You can fill that in because you're used to sleeping over nine. Sleep seven, do that for a week. And then try to try your sleep cycle with nothing again to see what happens and see if you haven't re-regulated your sleep. Um, you might want to get your hormones checked. That usually means your testosterone's messed up. So if you're sleeping too much, it might mean that you're fighting an infection. So if you're sleeping too much and you're depressed, get your blood work done. Um, I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be a doctor. I'm not giving medical advice. Go to your doctor. <laughs> but if you're sleeping that much, then uh, if you're sleeping nine, over nine hours, go get your blood work done. Um, try that week thing first. That way you can save yourself some money and some time. But uh, so now, sleeping, don't mess with it. All right. Uh, if, if you don't believe it, check out Why uh, why We Sleep, which is a book by some PhD from Harvard. It's a good book. Um, I could go into all the neuroscience on it, but you can read on it. Or yeah. you can go Sleep. Number two is, so sleep, rest, and recovery. Next one is nutrition. You want to eat the most nutriently dense foods with the fewest amount of toxins. Okay. That tends to be most meat foods. nutrient dense food with the fewest amount of toxins. That tends to be meat, fruits, and vegetables. Meat, Rice, fruits, and vegetables. Oh, man, meat. you are going to stir some folks up when you start talking about eating meat. Well, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, large herbivores re-sequester re more carbon into the planet and out of the atmosphere than anything else, and it preps land to be grown on. So even if you're a vegetarian, for all those that are um, vegetarians, you want to support meat eaters. One, it fixes the land, and two, it re-sequesters carbon, and it preps the land for growing vegetables. All the land that you run cattle on, large herbivores, is not is not normally able to be uh, to have food grown on. If you so think what that, kind of meat then if you're gonna if if you're supporting that the the best the best meat is some local grass fed cows or goats, um, really high quality fat. All the nutrients that you would normally get in a in a vegetable is gonna be in the the meat and the fat. Um, and that's something you can get locally. Like you can support your local farmer. You can know where the cow came from. You can make sure that it's sustainably harvested and, and right. you know, that it, the... it had a name. It had a happy life. It ate well. It had all those things going on. Um, I, I just got into a conversation with a, a bunch of poor folks, right? I mean, I grew up dirt poor. I grew up at nine. I was I was helping feed the family, right? I had a, I had a job at nine years old. So we were poor. Um, we raised rabbits, all that kind of stuff to feed ourselves. What I would recommend is everybody in that poor community, if everybody in that poor community would have gone to the local farmer 
the local grass-fed farmer, and the entire community bought a cow, it would have been far cheaper than going out and getting anything else. And you have, you get more calories and you get more uh, nutrients out of something like that. And so you, incre- and you increase the, the, uh, your brain capacity, your cognitive load. So if you want to be vegetarian, there are ways to do it. Email me, I'll send you ways to do it. I don't recommend it, but I can, I can at least point you in the right direction. Um, okay, so, thank you for bringing that up. Okay, so back to the nutrition. Meats, fruits, and vegetables. They tend to be the most nutrient-dense with the fewest toxins. When I first get a client, no rice, grains, beans, pastas, 90 days. If they can do that for 90 days, they get to the weight they're supposed to be. They get so to rice, the- grains, beans, or pastas. So it's not like uh, those have, it's not just like gluten-free. It's like. So gluten is, gluten is one of 21 gliadin proteins that is found in a plant like, like, like wheat. We only study gluten, but there are 20 other ones that are inside that same grain that negatively impact the gut. Now, why? Everyone says, well, gluten can't do all this. So I'm going to give everybody a really quick gluten class, okay? Gluten does a couple of things. The first thing is it puts holes in the gut lining. So if you look at your gut, if we can look at, like, say that right there for everybody on Instagram over there and for everybody here, there should be no space between my fingers. And those little, and the fingers at the top are are the little hairs on the gut lining called enterocytes. If there are holes in there, um, then whole proteins, whole fats, and and, uh, whole sugars get through the gut. So you have two types of your immune system. You have your velvet rope guys, kind of your thugs at the front that let people in and out. Then you have your kind of special operations guys that are inside the, the body. When things get through those tight junctions where there should be no spaces, if they get through and they're not broken down, your body is overwhelmed and your body just takes a quick snapshot of it and it's blurry, it's not clear. And so it sends it out to the immune system and the immune system looks at it and says, well, that looks like this and then it attacks it. And that's why when you look at an autoimmune disorder, all autoimmune disorders are directly connected to a a permeable gut or a leaky gut, one that has holes in the tight junctions. Gluten makes those holes And so it's directly correlated to all autoimmune disorders that have been tested, which is over 100, 150 autoimmune disorders. So MS, diabetes, even um, osteoporosis, all osteo issues, macular degeneration in the eyes, Parkinson's, all those have an autoimmune side. So gluten does that. Now, that's one piece. The next thing it does is, so inside of every cell, there's something called tissue transglutaminase. We're going to call that TTG. So TTG is what tells the protein how to fold, how to put the Legos together, what Lego, what the shape of the Lego should be. Gluten modifies TTG. So the thing that's telling the protein how to develop is being told not the way the body wants to, but the way the gluten molecule is telling it to. So those are the two big reasons why gluten specifically um, messes up so many different systems in the body. It can mess up, you know, from organs to connective tissue. It can do any of that. So no rice grains, beans, pastas. Half your body weight in ounces per day in water. That doesn't include fruit juices. It's none of that shit. I'm talking water. 
Now, one of those liters of water, which is like 32 ounces, it's one Nalgene bottle. One of those, one teaspoon of sea salt. If you have one teaspoon of sea salt in that water, you're going to keep all the salts and the electrolytes in your body that you need. So just the, the two questions that just came up were, one, yes, you can probably provide evidence, uh, you know, after we are the conversation. And then two, um, could you repeat one more time uh, why the rice and grains and others act um, as gluten, even though. OK, so they're different. So the reason the beans and rice are something totally different. Right. Uh, pastas are grain. Right. So that's why, because they're gluten based um, for rice. There's once you're healthy, there's nothing wrong with rice. I don't care if my clients eat rices or beans. There's there's no real big problem with them once you're healthy and your gut lining is intact. Um, so it's only 90 days for that. Sorry. Before that, why? Okay, so why before that? One, your gut is already permeable, and we're trying to get it with the most with the fewest amount of toxins. Beans and rice are pretty high in a toxin load. Not high enough, like quinoa's, all that. They're pretty high in a toxin load. Rice is phy phytates. The, the whole stuff you read in the early paleo stuff with phytic acid is not really the, what happens, but it's an anti-nutrient, meaning for me to use this, I have to go steal nutrients over here to use it over here. So you don't get a full nutrient. You just start taking shit from your body. You don't really need to. Later on, it's fine. Um, the other one is a lot of cultures that live over 100 eat rice. But if you go to those cultures, which I've lived in, they only have this much rice. They only have this much rice over here, guys. They don't have rice like we tend to eat. It's not like that. Rice. <laughs> rice. They're not eating rice. Right? Aroni. <laughs> rice, aroni. Um, so the other rice. one is um, beans. They have to be prepared the right way. Um, if you were to, if as a grown human, not as a kid, but as a grown, if you were to go eat three raw red beans, it'd kill you. It's super toxic. You can cook all that stuff it's out. Shelf, right. It's on the shelves that the, it's the same as, as uh, a lot of nuts and uh, it's the shells and, and even uh, like sprouts and stuff that, where the toxins are. Is that right? So all vegetables are toxic. That's what, that's no, what, yeah. no, all of it. All right? the way through. Right. So, so let's talk about, this is a cool conversation. So all these, um, so antioxidants, what an antioxidant is, is really something that pisses your body off to produce something to, to support it. Right. So there's a couple things that are happening. Fruits and vegetables are what actually is great about fruits and vegetables is one, the insoluble fiber cleans out your, helps you have normal bowel movements. The second thing that it'll do is it will, um, if you have a healthy gut bacteria, which is another reason why I want people to do 90 days of what I'm talking about, it's because it helps reset their gut line, uh, gut bacteria, fixes I've, their gut lining. Just so everybody knows, I've been getting this lecture for like so long. <laughs> and, and when she follows the rules, she performs better. And when she doesn't follow the rules, fucks up your mood, fucks up all, anyway. It's true. And it's so, so, so difficult to follow, especially when you're traveling all the time. And yeah, see, I have all, I have a lot of excuses. Okay. And, um, I really, really like cookies. And so, I so mean, make I just, a, I'll, I'll send you a, I'll send you a recipe that you can have once a week. 
And a matter of fact, I'll send everybody a recipe that you can have once a week, uh, some, <laughs> some cookies. Um, but we'll talk about that too. Okay. So right now we are, we're obviously going to be doing this like once a week until, uh, we have all the questions answered. So, so right now it's, we're talking about antioxidants and why all plants are toxic. Yeah. So you need a little bit of toxic load. You need a stress response to have a healthy response from it. So your gut bacteria will digest it digests the, it helps break down the, the vegetable matter you eat. And then when it, it, when it eats, the healthy stuff will shit out vitamins and minerals. And it'll, it'll give you good nutrients. So your gut bacteria is eating the stuff and helping during the breakdown of it. And the gut bacteria is giving you nutrients, right? So you have to have a healthy gut bacteria to utilize all these vegetables. Um, so yeah, that made sense. That's like the first time I finally understood that. That was probably, you've told me that at least 10 times. So thanks. Takes a while to learn. <laughs> uh, okay. So what I heard you say was it's the gut bacteria that produces the stuff that your body actually uses. And it's the antioxidants that trigger that gut bacteria to do it. No, damn. Almost. <laughs> um, so you have two types of stress. You have a hormetic stress, which is just enough stress to create a positive adaptation. And then you have too much stress, like a non-hormetic stress, which is too much. It's the straw that broke the camel's back. Vegetable matter is a hormetic stress if you have it in the right amount. And it'll the antioxidants will help create enough stress on the, on the system to get rid of the bad stuff and build the good stuff, right? Um, so... It's the same thing with like ketogenic nutrition and all these things. What it's doing is all the cells that are supposed to die. There's two different ways, apoptosis and autophagy. The, the way they're supposed to die, they don't always do it. And that's when that you get that one cell doing some crazy shit, right? And it starts becoming cancerous. Ketogenic nutrition kills it because it, it um, causes a stress that that can't handle. Vegetable matter causes a hormetic stress if you have it in the right amounts for your body to that's what an antioxidant really is, right? They talk okay, about it killing re reactive oxygen species and all that stuff, but that's kind of what it does. The other thing it does is it helps have a healthy bowel movement. So you're moving junk out of your body. And the second, and the third thing it does is it feeds a healthy gut and the healthy gut feeds you, right? So that's the benefit of fruit, fruits and vegetables. Most people don't eat good fruits. And they eat, you know, too much fruit, not enough vegetable. Right. They, they're doing it kind of the, just because, well, you know, they say that this is good. So I'm going to have, you know, dried mangoes. Right. No, no, that's not really what we're talking about. Um, so. Most nutrient dense foods, the fewest amount of toxins. First 90 days, no rices, grains, beans or pastas. Then you can start playing with it. Um, then water. So making sure you, you're hydrating properly every okay. day. Can we talk about the gut then? Like, what are you trying to get healthy within the gut in those 90 days? You're, you're trying to fix your gut lining and not giving it any new insults. And you're trying to get a healthier gut bacteria because they, you know, you have, you have more um, cells of gut bacteria than you do human cells. So you're more like if you, it's bananas. Like if you actually count them, 
there are more cells in your gut bacteria than there are in your your body of you. So you need to feed them. The problem is once they get screwy, they kind of lean more screwy or less screwy. So something like uh, you're, you're drinking kefir, you're having yogurt, you're having a probiotic drink. Those aren't the normal gut bacteria that we are normally produced with. They help, but they don't stay in your body. They kind of just leave your body. So they are not going to anchor into your gut. You're going to get that sauerkraut and kombucha. Right. So we want the vegetable based, the, the, the soil based and the vegetable based probiotics. So pickled foods. I hate pickles. Like I can't stand a pickle. I like pickles. I love pickles. I hate pickles. 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 They're salty and yummy. Pickles make me angry, but I do eat kimchi and I do eat sauerkraut occasionally. Um, Same thing, uh, bro. I don't get it. Well, doesn't matter. I don't care if you get it. I don't like it. All right. Okay. We have like 20 minutes left, so we let's use our time. Okay. So if you're have you want to eat your probiotic, you don't want to have it in just a dairy. Now, not I'm have some kefir, have some yogurt. That those Wait, things are cool. Eat your probiotic by pickles and kefir. Or sorry. No, and by vegetable, by pickled vegetables. So pickled beets, pickled uh you know, sauerkraut, kimchi, all those kind of things. Um, that's where you want to get your probiotics from. In the meantime, if and you why? want to have some kefir in your... Why? Yeah, and why that versus... Uh, because that's kind of how... That's... Everyone loves yogurt and it's bad, right? You've told it's, not, me. it's not bad. It's not bad. It just doesn't stick in your... It doesn't anchor into your gut. It's okay. kind of like... Uh, but the kimchi anchors. Yeah, the stuff that that makes, it just kind of anchors to your gut lining. The, the other probiotics help they'll digest stuff and they'll spit out nutrients for you but they don't stay so that's why you got to take it every day um okay thanks for that that's clear okay so probiotics fix your gut so that's one of the reasons why for the 90 days you want to do that if you get your sleep right sleep fixes your gut poor sleep kills gut bacteria okay uh high levels of stress kills gut bacteria mm. we don't want to do or it moves it to the negative gut bacteria we don't want to do that so sleeping, stress management, we can figure out a bunch of different ways. We can talk about those later. Uh, if you look at my Corona car series, I have a bunch of stuff on stress management. Um, then you have no rice, grains, beans, pastas for 90 days. See how you look, feel, perform. Half your body weight in ounces per day in water. One of those liters of water needs to have one teaspoon, not a tablespoon, a teaspoon of sea salt. If you do that, done you're going to be your quality of life is going to be good till you're dead you're going to have a good uh you're going to have a good health span not a lifespan solid there you go now versus lifespan so i i heard if you sleep and eat well you're good i didn't hear you have to train at all now you don't if you just walked every day now we're gonna talk about training friends Training is, is training is sleep and we're good. We don't have to do anything hard physically ever. It. Now, training <sighs> increases your quality of life. The first, the first is just your your health span, being healthy. Now it's quality of life. It's being able to be robust until you're dead. So he said first, robust. Well robust. Well robust. Um you want you want a high level of stability and mobility through your joint. And you want to be able to go through a full range of motion and be able to carry something. 
Until so, you're 120. I want to be 120 and I want to go to all the uh, the old folks' homes and pick up the young chicks that are like 85 and come in and be like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> I was 40 when you were born. What's happening, Captain? <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be killing it. I'm gonna be so I'm gonna walk into my little cane. I'm glad that we have come to your motivations. Um, and you know, they could be more universal. So for anyone who can relate, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. So the the priorities I have when I'm training people, one is to walk every day. And I prefer they walk loaded. I have a post on my blog called L3 or Long Lazy Loaded, and it goes through the whole reason why. Basically, it makes your pelvis strong, it makes your spine strong, and it teaches you really how to use your trunk. And loaded means what? 10% of your body weight. So carrying in a backpack, like how? Weight vest. Okay. And there's a whole blog post on that. We could go with, that's another 45 minute conversation and we could talk about it next time, but okay. We shall. So we're in lockdown long enough. <laughs> so long, lazy loaded. And then the next one is deadlifts and hanging from a pull-up bar. If you do those two things, deadlifts and hang, you're going to increase your stability and mobility through most ranges of motion. Wait, okay. Long, lazy loaded with a weight vest, deadlifts and a hang. Hanging. So we all have to go order uh, weights at home. It's worth it. I would say that um, there is, okay, first of all, there's no movement that requires more muscle fiber activation than a deadlift. So if you were going to do one movement, it'd be a deadlift. Now, if I ask you to go pick up your car, none of you are going to hurt yourself. You're going to go out, you're going to try to pick up your car, and all of you are going to be like, this is stupid, and you're going to drop the car. You're not going to hurt yourself. Okay? When I'm teaching someone how to deadlift, I put too much weight on the bar that they know they can't pick up, and I teach them proper form from the bottom. It's the most complicated portion of it. And we work on that for about a week. I had a client. She's been running around here in uh, in the Facebook world. I mean, uh, she's on the, the Instagram feed her name is uh barbara barbara came to me when she was 62 i love barbara's story and she uh couldn't she couldn't walk down a set of stairs she couldn't carry a purse she couldn't open and close a car door she was she was done she was slotted for back surgery at ucla the first thing i taught her to do was deadlift and everybody was like you're gonna kill her you're gonna kill her within two years she could barely walk right? yeah she wasn't walking oh, yeah. um, within two years so she weighed, at the time, she weighed like 130 pounds. She kept that weight. Um, she dropped four dress sizes. And um, she like came alive too. Well, I mean, she was 130 pounds. And by the time she was 65, she was deadlifting 145 pounds. I have she a video of it. Younger, she acted younger. She was more alive. She was happy. She, she could be in the world. She like. She couldn't walk. She went from that to being able to jump rope, being able to swing a kettlebell, swinging a 45 pound kettlebell, sprinting, hanging from a hanging chin above the bar, pull up. So she went from being me, like from the outside, it was more like this woman is here as opposed to before where she wasn't, you know, like, like we see a lot of people who, who it's like, they don't know their purpose. They don't know. They're just like, well, my job is to get lost because that's where 
what our society says. And with you working with her and her commitment to sticking with it, she was so alive. And I think that's what we're supposed to be like. She's when I, so I, was in, I was in Africa, I was on the Sudanese Ugandan border and I was in a small village called Atiak. And uh, I'm hanging out. Oh, I'm sorry, Barbara, 110. No, you did that 100, 135. I got it on picture, 145. I got a video of it still. Anyway, she just put it on Instagram. Nope. 145, Barbara, you're not, we're not going to mess with that. Anyway, Barbara, Barbara. <laughs> um, so I was in, I was sitting down, hanging out with these village people. There was an 83 year old woman. It was her birthday. She was sitting straight legged on the ground. She had a glass of moonshine that she had made. One of the three-year-olds ran by being a little asshole. She stood up on one leg. She did a pistol. She stood up on one leg, didn't spill her drink, snatched a three-year-old up by one arm and walked off. Wait, what's a pistol, Adam? Uh, one-legged squat. So can you can you get up on down off the ground on one leg? So she had one leg up in the air. She got up on one leg. And so 83 years old. So you'll see somebody that that uh, there's no reason that we're not vibrant and strong until we're until we're dead. So that, that we just see images of people not vibrant and not strong. And so we just assume that that's our role and that and we're done, you know, and and I think that's another reason why we need to we need to start seeing more of these images of, of vibrant older people to know that that's actually where we belong. When you when you've spent your whole life working 40 hours a week or more and you haven't been sleeping and you've been stressed out and you've been trying to put your kids through college and you've been eating poorly and you, you have all these things going against you, you're not going to be vibrant. When you've taken away this community-based lifestyle and you make it a nuclear family where it's only you, your wife, and your kids, and there's no support system, um, you've taken away the ability to be vibrant. So is it feasible to build a tribe right now? No, it's not in our current society. Can we lean that way, especially after something like this? Yeah, because this is going to hit again. We all think that this is the end and we're coming out of it. It's going to spike back up because as soon as people get in close proximity. So why anti-vaxxers? Measles, mumps, and rubella was gone. We didn't have kids with it. People stopped giving their kids vaccines for some messed up reason that doesn't make any sense. Okay. They quit giving their kids vaccines. And then within a year, kids were had measles, mumps, rubella again. Why? It doesn't go anywhere. This, this COVID's not going anywhere. It's not happening. But um, so it's going to spike again. So we're going to have this kind of shutdown again. We're going to have all this stuff. If we get our minds right for it now and prepare for it now, it's not going to be a shock. Now, Wait, wait, and, and, and to lead to that, onto that is we're also going to continue to have crazy weather and and other issues that will bring us i believe back into having to look around our our, our communities where we are and well if, even if you don't take it to crazy weather right if you take it to the fact that every single day there is a natural disaster that's reported in the world so everywhere in the world one a day there's a natural disaster okay well that's one way to put it a natural disaster which obviously you need community things right pandemic natural disaster doesn't matter you need community so if we take this as oh shit i've lost all my money stock market crashed i'm suffering i'm stuck I at home my job i lost whatever or we look at it as we can restructure the planet 
and we can put it into a position where we can go back to being more community driven and taking care of each other. And the community buys a cow and the community supports the local farmer and the community buys local and the commute you, you go to a local tailor instead of buying at H and M cause it's $9. You buy, you pay a lot once instead of everything being consumable. Like you just throw this shit away. It's, it's a really rough place to be as a society when how many people that are watching have brand new phones and have brand new computers. And there wasn't anything wrong with their last one, have a brand new TV. Cause it just came out instead of buying a refurbished or saying, you know what, I'm going to keep this phone for the next three years. It works. It's fine. Um, that whole consumerism that they're using, Oh, the iPhone 11 came out. The iPhone 12 is about to come out. We got to make sure we get it. That whole thing breaks down the, it puts us in the system that we're in now. Um, and that's just one of one of the parts that keeps us on the rat race. Yes. Um, yeah. So what I hear you saying is we need to get back to tribal uh, communities. And I'd love to, to ask you, like, well, what's like step one to that? We have about 10 minutes. So I also wanted to make sure that you made you got through the nutrition stuff um, in the time allotment. Uh, we were getting into performance. But we can get into performance later uh, since we're here. We'll just finish this. Com- we'll just finish this conversation. Cool. Next time we talk, we'll go from. We'll talk, we'll start from strength and move into performance. Okay. Um, See you next Wednesday, friends. Um, the, uh, the first thing is to buy local. That's going to be community driven. Make sure that, make sure that you're, you're taking the time to build your community relationships. Go to have a, a family doctor that's, that's doing all your stuff. Have a. And you lost your job. Like we can all start thinking about how we can serve our local communities more. I feel like so many people are coming up with, well, you know, I could, I could be the town kimchi like vat maker and everybody could come to me. You know what I mean? Or, uh, or like you said, you, if you're into tailoring, like there might be bigger ways that you can serve your own, your own community. So other stuff like that too, right? Because there's a lot of people that are in transition trying to figure out what their ultimate purpose is right now. Uh, so I, w- I would say two things about that. The first one is specialization is what allowed us to diversify and become affluent in a community. And it allowed for trade and barter and then money, right? So specialization helped for that. The second thing is all of our grandparents every single one of our grandparents could do something. They could knit. Your, your, your grandmother could knit. So, um, like have a hard skill is what you're saying. Yeah. We don't have it, but they were, they were, they were a jack of all trades, but one person in the community was best at it. So Mm -hmm. if you had to do it, you could do it, but you wanted that person to do it because they were so good at it. So what we're looking for is, learn all these hard skills, learn all these abilities to do things. But in the community, you're going to have someone that that's their artistic ability, support them in that you support them in that they can, they can take care of their kids. They can do those kind of things. They can be in that environment. You need you personally, you guys. Okay. You guys need to learn those skills. You need to learn how to build something. You need to learn how to Dudes, you need to learn how to, you know, iron a shirt and sew on a button and, um, you know, knit, do all those kind of things, build a doghouse. You should be able to do those things. You know, those things, those things are challenging, but they keep your mobility up. They keep your strength up. 
it's hard to dig in the ground and be bent over and pick weeds and do that kind of stuff. And it also teaches kids, if you do five minutes of weed picking a day, will save you if you wait a week and you have to spend 10 hours in the fuck in the garden picking up all those damn weeds. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you you start to learn life skills by having your kids do that kind of stuff. So anyway, that's what I'm saying about community. Okay. So I heard you say like start learning a hard skill that mm -hmm. could be useful within a close community. Um, would you dig more into like how we can bring our, I don't want to say elderly because that's, how do we create community again uh, within families, within our neighborhoods, uh, stuff like that? But, because as you're, you're asking two different things. Are you asking about old folks or are you asking about? Earlier you said bringing your, you know, bringing tribe back together uh, for health. Of so, so here you go. I got one for you guys. How many of you, so your grandmother's on a vent. Your grandmother's got cancer. Your grandmother's got X. Most Americans now will take their will take their family to the hospital to die. Where when we when I was growing up and when my parents were growing up, they would bring that person home so they're at home and they get to die with their family. But people are so afraid to see death, they're not willing to do it. And because of that, most people don't realize what old folks have to go through. They don't have the compassion of wiping their grandparents' ass. If you don't have that compassion, you're not going to build a community or a tribe. If you don't do it now, no one's going to do it for you, and you're going to rely on nurses to do it for you. And nurses are amazing, right? They they're the advocate for the the person on the on the ground, right? That all that nursing stuff, your family used to do for the family, and it's really important that if you're really trying to build a community and tribe that you're willing to do that kind of stuff. If you're willing to do that, then you're going to be able to build a community and tribe. If not, you're just going to have a group of people hang out and when they get mad at each other, it's going to split up. I'd really like to go into more of that, you know, for, um, during these talks. Once again, we're going to do this every week for as long as we need to, as long as it's possible. Um, every Wednesday, uh, once again, this is Adam Tickner. He's clearly got a lot to say. Um, and very knowledgeable and awesome. Uh, so uh, what would you leave us with, Adam? And then what should we look forward to coming back to Wednesday, next Wednesday to talk about? Um, so let's talk about that first. We talk, We got to quality of life. Next time we'll talk about performance and how to develop performance for those of us who want to be athletes um, and what that actually means. And um, what I would leave you with is there's a couple of things. One, I'm going to pimp my shit, which is if you want to learn body language right now, go to my website. Talking about. Yeah. yeah. Go to my website. What I'd leave you with other than that is uh, you have to learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. If you can do that, then all this shit gets pretty, it gets simple. Again, it gets a whole lot easier. So there you have it. That's what I got for you folks. What a perfect thing to end on. We have to be, except being, getting uncomfortable. Say it again. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. Learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's absolutely it. All right, friend. Um, thank you. And thanks for everyone who showed up. Thanks for hanging out with us through technical difficulties. We got to figure it out now, though. We got it. We're on point. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, any questions for Adam, put them here and we'll see you then. Cheers. <laughs>